Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Surprisingly, we are here, folks. Yeah, we thought we'd sneak in a a midweek podcast, which we don't normally do, but I started compiling stories for Sunday's podcast, and when I already hit 10 in the middle of the week, I figured I'd rather do a midweek podcast, skip the uh, two-hour podcast that this thing was going to wind up being if I didn't get any of these stories out before then. So that's why we're here doing another edition, doing a midweek edition of the Miller Frost podcast. Of course, I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. And I hope you folks are having a grand gay old time so far this week. I know you woke folk out there down for the struggle. You are definitely having yourselves a grand, gay old time celebrating Woke Black History Month, which just started on Tuesday, and not to cause any trouble or anything, and not that I would ever really do that, but you good woke folk out there celebrating Black History Month, you do realize you got the shortest month of the year to celebrate Black History Month. I guess it might be white supremacy, white power, white fragility, systemic racism causing all that, shortchanging you on your special month. And I've already heard from Starbucks. Man, I bet they couldn't wait to send out their virtue signaling email, show how down for the struggle they are as they charge you six bucks for a cup of coffee. And they had another clickable link in that email. See how you can play a role in building thriving and equitable communities too. This time though, I didn't fall for it. I did not click on that link. So let's go ahead and jump into things. Like I said, folks, I do want a relatively short podcast today. And this first one is from Queerty. Those girls over at Queerty. Father's text encouraging son to find a sugar daddy has gay Twitter in stitches. So apparently there's this, well, I don't know how young this guy is. I'm assuming he's a bit of a gaby, but his name is Andrew Palmer. And he shared an exchange there on woke Twitter that he had with his dad, joking that coming out to my dad last year was a mistake. So I guess... Andrew Palmer here, he sent a text to his dad. I think I'm getting a new apartment, so I'm going to be a little broke. 
His dad texted back, I thought you told me there was this thing called daddies up there that can help with financial stuff. That we know. That we definitely know here on the Miller Frost Podcast. Yes, Tom Daly, I am talking to you. Colton Underwood, Goose Get Worthy. I'm talking to you two queens as well. And I do have a funny story about daddies. So I have this friend out in San Diego. We'll call him Puddin'. That's an inside joke, folks. It's not that funny a story. But Puddin', when I first met Puddin', I was in my early 30s. Puddin', he was about 40 years old. Puddin', he's just like a lot of queens. He likes much younger guys. He always had some strapping young stud on his arm. Always had boy toys. And I was like, well, Puddin', he's a nice guy. But he's not the best looking guy out there. How does he get those boys? And so, one day, I asked him, Puddin', how do you always have a boy toy around? What is your secret? Puddin', he just said this, just wait until you're 40. They will come out of the woodwork. Trust me on that. So, lo and behold, folks, I find myself, as I've mentioned before here on this podcast, I found myself at 39, single. So I left LA, moved back to Chicago for a year to finish my second undergrad. Then I moved out to Colorado. And we had some friends and I, I think the next summer, we had what we called the summer of age inappropriate boyfriends. There were three of us and no white boy Malcolm X. He was not participating that summer. You were up at, uh, you were up at your parents' estate in Breckenridge, I believe that summer. Correct, sir? Yes, yes. It's safe to assume you were screwing around in Summit County. I don't need you to explain that to me. But you were not there. So anyway, I was, well, I was like 40, 41. I was seeing this guy. He was 25. My one friend, he was in his mid-50s. He was seeing a 27-year-old. And my other friend, who was 40 at the time, he was seeing a 20-year-old. We were all on the same softball team. We used to hang out on the weekends, play softball, do whatever. But I have to say this. I found myself chatting with a 20-year-old in the dugout during one game. And I tell you what, he was smarter than the other two put together. In fact, he was smarter than my friend who was 40, his daddy. So I have given that a try. I was like, nope, not paying for this. Done. So it's definitely out there for sure. I'm sure this kid can get himself a daddy to help out with the rent. To each their own though. Not my thing these days. Been there, done that. Not up for making that mistake a second time. But if you do, you have fun with that. This next story is from Bounding into Comics. Peter Dinklage's Snow White complaint blasted by dwarf performers. He's trying to take roles away. 
So I guess Disney is doing a live action production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And Peter Dinklage heard about that. And he was on Mark Marone's WTF with Mark Marone. And this is what he said. Well, you know, it's really progressive to cast a literally no offense to anyone. But I was a little taken aback by they're very proud to cast a Latina actress as Snow White but you're still telling the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And he continued, Take a step back and look at what you're doing there. It makes no sense to me, because you're progressive in one way, but you're still making that effing backwards story of the Seven Dwarfs living in a cave. What the F are you doing, man? And no, folks, he did not just say F. You know what, White Bumacamax, and you folks out there? Peter Dinklage, he is stealing Tom Daly's shtick, screwing over other people just so he can virtue signal. You remember what Tom Daly's doing. Oh, we shouldn't let countries that hate the tribe participate in the Olympics. Kneecapping his competitors. Some great diver out there from Iran or Nigeria or China or Russia. Some dump of a country that hates members of the tribe, our lovable Star Wars bar of a tribe. And now you've got Peter Dinklage claiming to be butthurt over dwarf roles while other dwarfs, they just want to get paid. And to be consistent, he is also kneecapping his competitors. He wants all the dwarf roles. He likes to be the head queen of the dwarfs. What? Am I allowed to say dwarfs? I think so. I hope so. Well, according to Bounding in the Comics, they said the dwarfs and little people community. So dwarf is safe. Allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe. But if it's not, if you're out there really triggered right now, don't blame me. I got it from Bounding in the Comics. Go yell at those nerds. So Peter... We've been there, done that. You are not fooling anyone with your fake virtue signaling, and we will keep an eye on you as well. At least, though, white boy Malcolm X, Peter Dinklage doesn't have to worry about getting himself a sugar daddy like Tom Daly did. I definitely don't want to see him in a Speedo, though. Nope, no thank you. From Vanity Fair... Oh my God, this is so effed up. Inside Silicon Valley's secretive, orgiastic dark side. And here's a quick summary provided by Vanity Fair. Some of the most powerful men in Silicon Valley are regulars at exclusive, drug-fueled, sex-laced parties. Gatherings they describe not as scandalous or even secret, but as a bold, unconventional lifestyle choice. Yet while the guys get laid, the women get screwed. In an adaptation from her new book, Brotopia, Emily Chang exposes the tired and toxic dynamic at play. So this book has to do with the tech bros. That's what they call those nerd weirdos out in Silicon Valley. Those folks, just to remind you, they're the virgin nerds everyone saw in high school, and now they got a pile of Benjamins. So they get to take their Benjamins 
and they get to live out their creepy sex fantasies from decades of masturbating to weird porn. Speaking of weird porn, though, and I couldn't find the article again. I was actually going to talk about it on a podcast, and I wound up tossing it aside. But I read a news article, and it talked about the prevalence of choking in straight porn. Now, folks, I don't watch straight porn. I am a big old queen. But apparently, allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe, you straight people out there, you like to watch porn where the guy chokes the girl. Unless it's pansy porn, and then I guess she's choking him. But one of the things the article pointed out was that a lot of young guys, these virgins living at home with access to Pornhub, they're watching that online, and they think seeing a lot of porn where the guy is choking the girl, they think that's normal behavior. And I'm sure it's the same kind of weirdos going to these creepy nerd orgies in California. And I hate to break it to you, Emily, and all you women out there. No one is going to pay for this. No, white boy Malcolm X, no one is going to pay for this. The same creepers going to these sex parties, they control your Facebook feed. They control your woke Twitter feed. They control your Instagram feed, your whatever feed. So consider this story. I don't know if they call it blackballing it, blackholing it, something like that. And yes, all you woke folk out there, I do realize that's racist. Now, don't get me wrong, folks. I am not endorsing that behavior. I'm not agreeing with this at all. But you got to face reality. You're not going to have a big Me Too movement in Nerdville. Outside the big names like Seattle Lothario, Bill Gates. Well, I guess he did get a little comeuppance. Allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe. Writhing around in his Speedo between two hookers. Oops, I mean sex workers. But you got him, Hobo Jack, Robot Mark. But outside of them, these tech bros aren't celebrities and nobody's going to give a crap. It's a shame. It really is. Again, don't get me wrong. I mean, I hate to say it is as it is, but nothing of substance is going to happen to these guys. This next story is from Pink News. Those girls over at Pink News. Anti-LGBT plus group, one million moms is naturally furious about gay men hugging and eating toast. And this has to do with an eHarmony advertisement in Australia showing a gay couple making toast and spreading it with peanut butter before eating it and sharing a hug. And random aside, white boy Malcolm X, Did you know that gay pride in Australia is going on right now in February? It is. It totally is. Not that I'm surprised. Those queens, they love to party whenever they can. I'm sure every month is gay pride somewhere on this planet. You get rich traveling queens. They can celebrate pride every day of the year. And we are not going to mention, folks, anything about the fact 
that gay pride in Australia overlaps with Black History Month. Completely disrespectful to the woke folk, but we're not going to talk about it. So anyway, back to this ad, which is called the Here for Real Love campaign. And One Million Moms, they have launched an online petition, and this is what they had to say. It's the side attempt to normalize and glorify the LGBTQ lifestyle by celebrating a homosexual couple hugging, feeding each other, and wiping the other one's mouth. By promoting same-sex relationships, eHarmony wants to make it clear where they stand on this controversial topic instead of remaining neutral in the culture war. Now, as you folks know, especially you regular listeners to this podcast, I give my tribe, my lovable Star Wars Barba tribe, I give them a lot of grief when they deserve it. But I also, from time to time, and white boy Malcolm X, don't fall out of your chair on this one, I will also defend them if need be. And this is definitely one of those times. This whole petition thing, this is just silly. No, I take that back. This is just, well, for lack of a better word at the moment, it's just dumb. A tempest in a teapot, and for what? Probably to raise money, like they all do. Normalizing and glorifying the LGBTQ lifestyle, or at least for the gays, that would be grinder or scruff. Running an ad on that. The hookup, casual sex lifestyle that a lot of queens out there, and you know who you are, enjoy. This, to me, an ad on eHarmony, I would think would be a positive step. Try to get those queens to settle down in a relationship. Although, even if they're in one, it's probably an open one. They're still getting banged, just like Ronan Rubenstein by half of L.A. But you folks over at One Million Moms, nobody is taking this ad seriously anyway. Like a queen would ever really eat peanut butter toast. Like they would eat those carbs. No. So you people at One Million Moms, all 10 of you, I got something to say. eHarmony is a business. Their job is to attract customers, all different types of people. So I don't know what you're all triggered about. I'm sure they have tons of ads targeting straight people too. And I hate to break it to you, because I have no doubt you're thinking this, but nobody is trying to recruit your precious little darlings. They come out all on their own. Trust me on that. From The Independent, AOC reveals she's quit Twitter after getting anxiety over negative tweets. So I guess when AOC, when she caught herself the COVID, she shut off all her devices, kind of took a hiatus from social media. Clearly, she didn't completely quit, folks, because guess where she shared this news? AOC, she went on to Instagram to tell everyone she was not going on woke Twitter because of the amount of negativity on the platform. Kind of like BLM. I think it was BLM. 
calling for a boycott of white businesses, stay away from whitey's businesses. And they did that by going on to Robot Mark's white-owned Instagram. I do have to say this, though. I don't actually blame her. Now, I'm not on Twitter. Again, I got kicked off Twitter for calling Jake Tapper an hysterical drama queen. Of all the things, all the shame to get kicked off woke Twitter over, calling Jake Tapper an hysterical drama queen. But anyway, I'm on Getter. And, oh, by the way, I always forget to do this. My handle over there is at Miller Frost. And yes, give me a second over there. Jesus Christmas. Yeah, white boy Malcolm X, he also signed up on Getter. His handle, at white boy MX. And that was because what? White boy Malcolm X, that was too long? By one character. (laughs) Sucks to be you. But he signed up, white boy Malcolm X, he's not on social media much. But he signed up on Getter. And you've got like what? 50 followers already? 60. How the hell? They've got to be bots. I mean, he's only been on there. What have you logged in? Once or twice? Two times. Okay. And the only thing he's put up there on Getter, he said something like, for the record, I'm only here because at Miller Frost is a mean bitch who made me do it. Is that about right? But I'm like, what the hell? How did he get 60 followers in like a day? Probably trashing me. But I use Getter. I use it for show prep. And yes, of course, I do have snarky comments from time to time. But I do take days off. I do step away from it on a pretty regular basis. Most of the weekend, in fact. We're too busy watching movies, drinking beer, podcasting. I don't spend a lot of time on there at all. At least over the weekends. But poor AOC, through all of this, people are kind of having fun with it. Her claiming anxiety as a reason to leave the platform. That negativity, because she's used Twitter, woke Twitter, sorry about that, to go after people or to clap back at people who have said something she doesn't like. And for you Gen X boomers out there, clap back, that's a millennial Gen Z term. It means something, how would I define that? Kind of nastily respond to something someone said that got you all butthurt. That's what clapback is. Oh, she clapped back at him. And so now, AOC, she's too anxious because people are going to fire back at her when she starts tweeting. Another snowflake leftist on Twitter. She can dish it out but she can't take it. It'll be okay, princess. Stay in your little bubble, dear. I'm actually going to skip this one. It's from boston.com. Survey says it's time to get on with our lives. And this is a Monmouth University study, or a poll rather, that showed that 70% of Americans think COVID had become part of life and it was time to move on. And they, of course, Broke it down by political affiliation because everything is politics these days. But 89% of Republicans felt that way, 71% of independents, 
and only 47% of Democrats. I tell you what, they cannot quit COVID. They love the lockdowns and the restrictions. Either that or their hysterical hypochondriacs terrified of catching the COVID. Although I think the former. There was that Rasmussen Report study. 55% of Democrats would support a proposal for federal or state governments to fine Americans who don't get a COVID vaccine. 59% of them would favor a government policy requiring people to stay at home except for emergencies if they didn't get the vaccine. 47% of Democrats favor government tracking programs for people who don't get the vaccine. And 45% of Democrats, almost half of Democrats, would favor governments requiring citizens to temporarily live in designated facilities or locations if they didn't get the COVID-19 vaccine. So if you don't get the vaccine, about half of Democrats want to fine you, confine you, track you, or lock you up. And if you think that's bad, it gets even worse. 48% of Democrats, I guess I'm not skipping this one. Oh, well. 48% of Democrats think federal and state governments should be able to fine or imprison individuals who publicly question the efficacy of the existing COVID-19 vaccines on social media, television, radio, or in online or digital publications. So Joe Rogan, if you're listening to my podcast, which I think you should, you are about to get yourself a first-class ticket to a train to a re-education camp to get your mind right. And finally, 29% of Democrats, almost a third, would support temporarily removing your kids if you did not get the COVID vaccine. So yeah, it is definitely all about the control. And you kids have fun with that. From the New York Post, BLM co-founder Patrice Coolers tied to other groups with spending red flags. And before we get to that one, there was a Washington Examiner story, anger over BLM's purchase of $8.1 million Toronto mansion grows as group's finances scrutinized. So they bought themselves up there in Toronto a 10,000-square-foot mansion last year, last July, that once served, get this, folks, as the headquarters for the Canadian Communist Party. The communists, the working man's party, they had themselves a multi-million dollar mansion. But apparently, BLM Canada took that money, got that money rather, from the BLM Global Network Foundation to buy that house. And guess, folks, guess who runs BLM Canada? Janaya Khan, Patrice Khan Cooler's wife. So yes, they got themselves another house. Three in Los Angeles, again, so they never get stuck in traffic in LA. A house in Georgia with a runway and an indoor pool. That's not enough for them. They want a 10,000 square foot mansion in Toronto that was once owned by communists. But anyway, back to the New York Post story. So I guess there are four different organizations that are also playing funny money 
just like BLM. Reform LA jails, Dignity and Power Now, Justice LA, and the Justice Teams Network. And so what this story in the New York Post did, they did a typical follow the Benjamins. And they looked at Reform LA jails, which in 2019 collected more than $1.4 million. And guess how they spent that, folks? $205,000 went to a consulting company owned by Patrice Conkoolers and her wife, Janaya. This according to New York Magazine. Another $211,000. That was paid to Cooler's pal, Asha Bendeli. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. Sorry, Asha, if I'm not. B-A-N-D-E-L-E. Asha, she co-wrote Patrice's memoir, and I'm sure that's a good read. And $86,000 was paid to an entertainment clothing and consulting company called Trap Heels, which was started by Damon Turner, the father of Cooler's child, the baby daddy, I believe that's what they call them. So she's keeping it in the family, paying out 86K to her baby daddy. And if you're sitting there going, man, Miller, I am exhausted trying to count all that money that they're spending on themselves. Folks, there's a little bit more. They also pay $270,000, probably not much money left at Reform LA Jails at this point, but they spent $270,000 to another consulting company run by its treasurer, Christman Bowers, who's also known as Shaloma Bowers, and Christman, or Shaloma, has signed tax documents as the deputy executive director of Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. So, allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe, paying off themselves, paying off their baby daddies, and paying off their friends. And there was another story. I mean, folks, the BLM news, the corruption, allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe, of that organization. There are a ton of articles out there now. But there's another article, and it mentioned the fact that nobody is really in charge over there. And they still got $60 million sitting there in the bank. I would say not for very long, but we'll see. So I know you folks out there are exhausted listening to all that. I am talking about it, but what can you say? They came to do good, and they have done very, very, very well indeed. And all you woke morons out there sending these clowns money, you have fun with that. And for our last story, folks, I thought we'd do a golden oldie, the smoking gun. How's this for a headline? Police, man killed emotional support ferrets. Four cage victims were shot with BB gun. And if you're new to the podcast, For smoking gun stories, we just read the story with a little color commentary from time to time. A Minnesota man charged with killing his roommate's emotional support ferrets told police that he shot the caged animals with a BB gun because they smelled like, again, I'll just say poo, and claimed that one of the ferrets was laughing at him, according to a court complaint. 
Police responded Tuesday to a 911 call placed by Maurice Gusky, 57, who reported that his four pet ferrets were missing. Upon arriving at the Duluth apartment, Popo noted finding blood drops on the stairs and walls of the entryway. Gusky told police that he shared the residence with Levi Arnberg, 27, who had threatened to harm one of the ferrets the prior evening. Gusky said Arnberg held a kitchen knife in his hand and said, it would be bad if one of them was hurt. Get the F out. And folks, he didn't just say F. The roommates had argued because Arnberg claimed Gusky had too much of his personal property in their shared space, the complaint states. Duluth Police Department officers, Popo, found the dead ferrets in an alley adjacent to the apartment building. A witness reported seeing Arnberg walking through the alley and saying that a ferret smiled at him, so he shot it ten times. When cops located Arnberg, he reportedly declared, Dude, I killed the ferrets, give me a break. Arnberg, cops reported, said he used a BB gun to kill the animals because they smelled like crap. Yeah, we know that already. Referring to one of the ferrets, Arnberg said that the big one was hard to kill, and I swear the thing was laughing and breathing, laughing and breathing, and I just kept shooting it in the effing head. That guy, if he thinks a ferret is laughing at him, he is more stoned than Hunter Biden. Arnberg was arrested on four, get this folks, misdemeanor animal cruelty counts. That has got to be a Florida law. And we're in Minnesota. But that is totally a Florida law. Killing a ferret with a BB gun is misdemeanor animal cruelty, each of which carries a maximum penalty of a year behind bars. He is being held at the St. Louis County Jail in lieu of $20,000 bail, which represents $5,000 for each deceased ferret, according to a court filing by prosecutors. And no, white boy Malcolm X. No, I am not doing a reenactment of a man killing four ferrets. Although Maurice Gusky, I don't know what kind of emotional state he's in, if he's got to have four ferrets as emotional support pets. But again, white boy Malcolm X, no reenactment. So on that note, since I cannot top this blooming idiot murdering four ferrets, even if moving out wasn't an option that ever crossed his feeble mind, since I cannot top that, it is time to plug pull this podcast. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on this midweek edition of the Miller Frost Podcast. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Have a great rest of your week, a good start to your weekend, and we will see you back here in a couple of days. In the meantime, take care. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. 
here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.